Good evening. Good evening. Just making sure my microphone works. <laughs> Apparently it worked too well this morning. But, uh, take your Bibles and go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. What a beautiful night the Lord has given. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm just putting my notes in order. My church, if I tell them I have a note, they're like, oh, we're going to be here for hours. I've got eight pages tonight. You think we can get through it? Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to do something simple, yet profound. I'm just going to talk about our God. There's nothing better than talking about God. Amen? Nothing. And um, we're going to look at our relationship with him. If I get through everything, we're going to look at what he's done for us, where we came from, where we can be, what God wants to do with us. And uh, sometimes you say all this in the beginning of a message and then God shortens it just to make you look like a fool. Yeah. Amen. But there's a verse for that too. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Amen. <laughs> to save them which were lost. So Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, why don't we stand for the reading of God's word because then maybe it will block the wind on this side and my Bible won't. Nope, it's not working. <laughs> but Ephesians chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 1 tonight. And you hath he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein the time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit thou now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also all we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. That right there is the whole premise of our earthly life. If you had two words in your life, that would be it. But God. Without those two words, we have nothing. Amen. I sure love those words. That's my favorite phrase in the whole Bible. Can you tell? But God, who is rich in mercy, hallelujah, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Now notice something in your Bible. There's something called... English language, and they put these little marks in there. But do you see what the mark is? God wrote the Bible for the 20th century. It's the happy face emoji. <laughs> Amen. I put a, I should put a smile on our face. Amen. We get to be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, 
he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, we ask now that you would just guide and work and lead and follow that you would take control. Father, I pray that you'd help me speak right, that I could be heard clearly. Lord, without damage to my body. But Father, that you would be lifted up and glorified tonight. Lord, we walk away from here encouraged, wanting to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Lord, to finish work on the cross, being able to be seated in heavenly places with you. Lord, that which is to come, you keep us for all ages. And Lord, we praise you. Our salvation is eternal. And Lord, tonight we pray that you would just work through this vessel. Lord, that I be a vessel fit for honor tonight. And Lord, that we'd be a people willing to hear, ready to answer, and ready to go. We love and praise you tonight. I pray you'd be with uh, Pastor and Mrs. Mackay, strengthen, encourage, help. Lord, just work in their lives in a special way. Lord, be with us this week as we labor for you in each of our jobs. Lord, do you give us strength and wisdom. And let, Lord, tonight, we would know you've been in, we have been in your presence right here in open space. Or allow all those who come into the presence of this congregation to sense your presence as well. And know, God, there is a difference in this place. We love and praise you now in your precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> As we come to Ephesians chapter 2, we won't go through the whole chapter, but we're going to go through a part of it. And this first part, this, the second part deals with our unity in Christ. But this first part deals with our place, our standing in Christ. Uh, chapter 1 is an amazing uh, chapter. It explains all that God has, has done for us, our, our position. And chapter 2 deals with, uh, our, explains what God has done for us as sinners in general. It also deals specifically with us as Gentiles. And then together with the Jews or the, the Hebrews, the Israelites. Amen. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the olive branch. Amen. But as we come to this chapter, we, we're going to see four works. And as we go through the four works, I want you to notice something. It has nothing to do of your work. All of the work we're going to see is sin's work against us and God's work for us. Amen. Amen. So we're going to have a good time at this by God's grace. First of all, we're going to begin in verse 1 again. And we're going to look at sin's work against us. Sin's work against us. Look with me in verse 1 through 3. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The first thing I want you to see 
about our God and our place in him, where I was before I got saved, where you were before you got saved. And if you're not saved tonight, where you stand presently, first of all, we're dead. Amen. We are the walking dead. It is an old Western movie, but it's true. We're the walking dead. Amen. The first thing that God reminds us here in, in verse 1 of this chapter, it says, who are dead in trespasses and sins. When Adam and Eve sinned, that sin nature was passed upon all men. There's an idea out there that we get saved from our sins. It, it is true God, God redeems us from that, amen. But he's not worried about your sins. He's worried about your sin nature. This is why he gives us a new nature, a new nature. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Why? You can't have your old nature and your new nature in the same body. Now you may have the old man working against the spirit, but the old nature is gone. Think about that for a minute. When we go to sin... What we are doing is we are holding back the Holy Ghost. Is that me? What is that? I think that's interesting. No, I don't even know what that is. Some girl song. I don't know, brother. Thanks. Satan's fighting already. Hallelujah. It's going to be a good message. Someone's getting saved. Someone's getting help tonight. Amen. But we are dead in trespasses and sins. Too many times we, we like to think and we go about our life, even after salvation, we think to ourselves, we keep the old mindset, if you will, that I'm a good person. Remember that Jesus Christ, there's none good, no, not one. Amen. If we are relying on our good works, we are relying on the wrong thing. Listen, a dead person cannot look and cannot strive for lively things. It is impossible for a person who's dead to want something that is lively. Amen. Good night. Brother, here we go. Amen. The Spirit of God is moving. Amen. Too many times we try to we try to treat this world like it's alive and it's full of life, but remember the only life that ever is and ever shall be comes from God. The man cannot work himself to heaven because there's no life in him to work for God. This is why we can't work our, for our salvation. Listen, you go to the graveyards, are any of them working on the graveyards? Are they mowing their lawn? No. Are they cleaning their cenotaph? No. Why? They're dead. Amen. A dead person cannot work. It's impossible. You want to be really retired? Die. Amen. Because until then, you will work. Amen. But spiritually speaking, it is impossible it is impossible for us to work our way to heaven and do good for God because we are dead. It is impossible. Don't try it. It's, there's no point. We see here man is dead, but secondly, we see he is disobedient. 
And the verses two through three, we learned, and where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of what? Disobedience. Disobedience. Want to know why your kids are bad? It's because they're lost. Amen. We teach them to be good, but they're lost. You go back to the Old Testament, go back to Genesis, and you read of the tree of the, uh, of the knowledge of what? Good and it's the same tree. It's the same tree. It's the same fruit. All we're doing is cleaning up evil. <laughs> we're just cleaning it up. It wasn't about knowledge, so much about knowledge. It gave them something that God never wanted us to have. Good and evil. He only ever wanted us to have holiness, righteousness, and glorification. He wanted us to walk in his presence, but a dead person can't walk with a lively person. A disobedient person can't walk with an obedient person. They're on two different tracks. Amen. We see before salvation, I was dead. I'm disobedient. I walk according to the course of this world. More importantly, I walk according to the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Ye are of your father, the devil. That's exciting. How do you like to go so winning and tell them your father's the devil? But until we realize it, we don't have a need for a savior. There is no need for us to need him. But when we realize who our true father is, the devil, all of a sudden we don't like that anymore. Yeah. And your father, the devil, has nothing good for you. <laughs> he does not love you. He can't love you. He's dead. It's impossible for him to do it. Only God is love. And you can only have love if you have God. I remember when I made that statement one time, we had a lady in our church come up to me and say, what about those who have been married for 50 years? You're saying they don't know love, they don't love each other? The Bible teaches us that we can do good. We can be kind. We can show graciousness. We can work good works. But without God, you cannot love. It's impossible. You get somebody saved. And it's not that they're not going to do wrong. Amen. Those that are married, those that have relationships, whether they be male friends or girlfriends, whatever it might be, if we're in any type of relationship, we know what it's like for someone to do wrong against us. Amen. So even being saved doesn't mean we're not going to skip out on wrongdoing. But with God... We have love to carry us through that. And to show that love of God in that relationship shows that compassion, that mercy, that grace that we're going to see later. We see that I'm disobedient. I'm dead. But on top of that, in verse 3, we find that I'm depraved. Among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. What does it mean to have this idea of depravity of man? I'm not talking Calvinism. There's a true sense of depravity of man. 
a biblical sense of depravity of man. We are not saying that when those that are deprived, they, he only does evil and that he's incapable of doing good. That's not what the Bible is saying. It's simply saying that he is incapable of doing anything to merit salvation or meet the high standards of God's holiness. That's what we're saying. How many of you this morning could say, I have not sinned yet today? Anybody? Me either. I got out of bed. First thought that went through my mind, I'm like, Lord, I got to preach today. My wicked mind already? Really? Are you kidding me? Lord, help me. What did Paul say? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Amen. Oh, the apostle Paul. We hold him so high. There's a lot of great apostles. Someone asked me, who's the first person you want to meet when you get to heaven? A lot of people say Paul. A lot of people say Peter. A lot of people are spiritualized and they say Jesus. Duh. I mean, we're, let's be real for a moment. We all want to see Jesus, amen. If we don't, there's something wrong up here. We're talking about after we worship at the throne a little bit, amen. I mean, who do you want to sit beside at the marriage supper of the Lamb? You know, I want to be next to Barnabas. That's who I want to be. The man who took Saul and trained him. The man who taught Saul to love. An apostle. There wasn't just 12 apostles. The Bible never said there's just 12 apostles. It never says it. Barnabas was an apostle. God calls him that. Then you have the apostle Paul. And you have another apostle in the upper room that they picked just out of straws. Lord, help this man to be the right one. Right? We don't know much about him other than that he was picked. We know he must have done something for God. Amen. But I want to be next to Barnabas, a man full of compassion. A man who is able, in the midst of great strife, to take someone under his wing, even though Paul disagreed with him. Someone who is able to stand up to Paul and say, you're wrong. There's something good in this kid, and we're going to use it. And go and strengthen the brethren. And we have a book in the Bible written by Mark because of Barnabas. Amen. Thank God for Barnabas. I don't know what that has to do with the depravity of man, but hallelujah, now you know about Barnabas. We're just saying here as a, as a depraved man, we, we cannot live up to God's holiness. We understand this. That no matter who it is, Peter, Paul, Barnabas, Mark, Matthew, it doesn't matter who it is in the Bible. None of us can stand up or walk according to the holiness of God on our own. We see here, as you go through Paul's letters, the natives in Malta and the book of Acts who kindly assist Paul and those that were shipwrecked. They did good works but they still needed to be saved. Amen. You see God honor people in the Bible who did good works, who were seeking God, but did not find him. How many of you ever read the book, Seeking Allah, Finding God? Have you read that book? It's an amazing book. I might have the title wrong. I don't think I do, but I think that's right. 
It's about a man who's a Muslim and he begins to seek Allah, the true Allah, which is just the Arabic word for God. But we know what they really mean, right? So he begins to seek and God himself begins to reveal himself in different ways and different forms through scripture. And he gets him in touch with a, a college student that began to preach Jesus Christ to him and was kind and compassionate and would take the time to let this man to, to, to study and to seek it out and would take the time to let him ask all the questions as hard as they might be and would give it back to the other guy. And he would go home and begin to study more and study more. It took years for him to get saved. Sometimes we don't get saved right away. Amen. For someone to get saved the first time they hear the gospel is a rarity. It's a rarity. It's exciting, but it's a rarity. But when we find God, we understand that I am dead. I'm disobedient and I'm depraved. I can't meet your holiness. I can't meet your holiness. And on top of that, because of that, Verse 3 teaches us that I'm the children of wrath. I'm under God's, I'm doomed. John 3, 16, 17. We all know it, right? We should know it. We've just been pushing it for a week straight. Amen. I'm getting tired of John 3, 16. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to what condemn the world but the world through him might be saved verse 18 teaches us that we were already under the condemnation of God this is why Jesus Christ didn't have to come condemn us we are already there amen this is why he came to seek and to save that which was lost because we were already there we are doomed by nature, the children of wrath. By deed, the children of disobedience. We are condemned already. The sentence has been passed, but God in his mercy is staying the execution of the sentence. And man cannot save himself, but God in his grace takes the steps to make salvation possible for us. We see sins work in us. The disobedience, the death, the depraved, the doomed. But let us look at God's work for us. In verse 4, we read this. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great... What's it say? Love. God loves you. Even in our sin and muck and mire, even when we can't do it, even when we're dead, even when we're under the condemnation of God, God loves you. The reason I can get saved, the reason I can have a relationship with God, the reason I can step into the full merit, the full grace, the full uh, mercy of God is because of his love. His love. By nature, God is love. Love is one of God's intrinsic attributes. But when his love is related to sinner, it becomes grace and mercy. We see this in verse 4 again. But God who is rich in mercy. Jump down to verse 7 for me. 
that in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace. When God manifests his love towards man, it becomes mercy, it becomes grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that none of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Amen. God's work for us. Number one, he loved us. He loved us. Number two, the Bible says in verse five here, and when we were dead in sins, he hath, what's the next word? Made us alive. You were once dead, but God has made a way for you to be alive. Guess what that means? When we're dead, can we walk with God? No. But if we're alive, can we walk with him? Absolutely. Why? Because he's living, we're living. Amen. I don't have to stay dead. Not in that sense. There is a sense where God says, die. Amen. That we're born spiritually dead. God makes us alive. And then he says, let the old man die. You know what we do? We, we get made alive. We become quickened, spiritually awakened, if you will. God puts his spirit and boom, we can hear God. We can see God. We can, we can read the word of God. And all of a sudden it becomes alive and Verses are jumping out at us and we're, wow, I didn't see that before. And, and God begins to teach us just as he did his apostles. Amen. The same way Paul got taught, you get taught. The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Why? Because we're made alive. He quickened us. But here's what we do so many times. We, we go back to the old man, that disobedient, dead, dark condemned man and we tried to give him CPR instead of letting him stay dead. Amen. Why? We like the good old days. Men love darkness rather than light. What does a dead man see? Light or dark? Doesn't see anything. He's dead. <laughs> Trick question. I got you. <laughs> dark. It's all dark. Amen. And then God comes in and begins to shed his light in us. And we see the darkness of our sin. And, and we, we begin to realize, man, I, I need a savior. And get the Holy Spirit of God begins to work in us. And he shows us God's love. And he, he shows us how he can quicken us. Amen. Not only has he loved us, not only has he quickened us, but he's exalted us. In verse 6 it says, And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know where you are right now? You're, you're not going to answer me. You're like, trick question, Pastor. I'm not answering. <laughs> it's not hard. The Bible just told you where you are. Where are you? Heavenly places. You're sitting in heaven already. You know what? Too many times we, we lose the fact, we lose the sight of the fact we're already there. That's why we sin so much. We forget we're in the presence of God 24-7. Amen. What did the temple of God have in the old day? 
had God himself dwelling there. Amen? The Shekinah glory. And when the Shekinah glory came into that temple, it got so dark inside, the Levites and the priests had to leave because there was no light except for God. He was kicking them out. There was no room for man. And if we will get to the point in our minds and our spirits where we realize we're seated in heavenly places already, there will be no room for you. You'll be dead. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, God Himself, Jesus Christ will illuminate that life and people will see God in you. It will glow. I remember one time before service, I was witnessing to a man outside. He was a little tipsy. He says, you shine like an angel. I don't know if that was the alcohol or just the Spirit of God. But you know, when, when a person gets saved, their whole countenance changes. When we walk with God, our whole countenance changes. How many of you believe I'm 44? Do I look 44? <laughs> Trick question, amen. Can I see your driver's license, please? You know, I, I, we have an aunt, I have an aunt. And for 20, over 20 years, my parents and a church prayed for her salvation. She looked so hard. Her face was hard, her body was hard. It was wrinkled, it was, it was just tough. It wasn't that she wasn't a good person, she was a great person, just didn't know God. Wrapped up in her alcohol and her drugs and her smoking and her fornication and her hard life and, and got into a, a marriage with a hard husband and became abusive and the life that she led was just miserable. I remember seeing the hardness on her face and then I remember when God saved her soul. It was amazing. All of a sudden her countenance in time became softer. Her skin became lighter. The wrinkles began to go, this isn't a miracle cream, amen. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's not a miracle cream but he does change our countenance when we walk with him. Why? Because he quickened us. And on top of the quickeningness, he exalted us. You have to realize where we are tonight. We're not just in a park. We are worshiping in the presence of God. When we sing, we sing to God. When we preach, we preach to God. When we read the word, we read the word to God. We are lifting God up, amen. Why? Because we're lifted up. We're lifted up. We're exalted. On top of exalting us, I like this in verse 7. He says this, that in the ages to come. Let me say this to you. You cannot lose your salvation. It's impossible. I had someone say to me, I, I got saved and I don't want to be saved anymore, therefore I'm not saved. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm in the hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit said, I wrap them both up. Good luck. Jesus Christ, and later on through his word, I believe through the writer of Paul, writes down and, and confirms for us that even when we lose our mind, he knows those that are his. Amen. I remember my 
my wife's grandpa, Robertson, he had gone to, as a young man, he was part of the Second World War. He was a submariner. He, he lived a hard life before salvation and, and, and his mind began to decay and he went back to the old days. He just he went back before salvation and he began to cuss and swear. And, you know, you look at a man that before this was full of faith and a preacher of the word and loved to win souls for Christ. He was never a pastor, but he was a great layman and just loved to serve God. And all of a sudden he's back to the old mariner ways. And you think to yourself, was he ever saved? Yes, amen. Oh, we may not remember, but God always remembers. What a blessing. When my mind goes, his never does. Even in the ages to come, you are secure. Listen, if we can sit with him today, we will never leave him tomorrow. Amen. We're secure. He keeps us. He keeps us. This is God's work for us. Let's look at God's work in us. Look with me to verse 10 again of this chapter. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, we can look to the resurrection of Lazarus for an example here. Jesus Christ comes to Lazarus's tomb and raises him, calls him forth, and as he calls him out of the grave, just as he called us out of the grave of sin, amen. Jesus Christ did not say to them, I'm glad to see you're alive, Lazarus, I'm leaving now. He didn't do that. His first words, his first command was, loose him. Amen. Oh, when we get saved, there's some sin that's still there that God's got to remove. Amen. I'm sure if you've been saved like I have for a great number of years now, there's still sin in my life that God has to remove. It's called sanctification. Sanctification. I think I taught this in our this church at one point. The the baseball uh, baseball field of righteous or what did I call that? The spiritual baseball field. That's what we'll call it tonight, anyway. But uh, there's there's first base, second base, third base, and in first base we have salvation. Second base is sanctification. Third base is service. Three S's. And we have uh, mankind, cultures look at this baseball field, this baseball game in different ways. We have Satan on the, on the pitching mound and, and for generations he was throwing and striking man out one after the other. He struck out Adam and Eve. He struck out Noah. He struck out Abraham. He struck out Moses. He struck out Joshua. He struck out time and time and time again. Man would step up to the plate to do works for God and would strike out. But God. Jesus Christ stepped up to the plate. And Satan takes him and, and tries to tempt him for 40 days and four nights, takes him to the top of the temple, shows him the world and says, I can give you all of it. And he could. But what did God do? What did Jesus Christ do? The scripture, thus saith the Lord. Amen? Every time. 
You want to know how to get out of sin? You want to know how to get out of lust? Thus saith the Lord. Amen? Problem is, we don't know enough scripture to thus say. Psalms 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. Oh, there it is. No word in the heart, no chance of not might sinning. Amen. We have Lazarus, he comes out of the tomb and Jesus Christ says to him, loose him and let him go. You see, you, you put off the, the part of, uh, there's a portion of scripture that says that you put off concerning the former conversation, that means the behavior, your lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt, and put on the new man, amen. Put on the new man. Ye then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. See, the same resurrection power that saved us and took us out of the graveyard of sin can daily help us live for Christ and glorify him. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that keeps you, which is the same grace that helps you walk with him. It's all the same grace. We just don't tap into it. Let me get back to the baseball game because I love teaching this one. Jesus Christ gets up, hits a home run. But you know what he does? He doesn't run the bases. No, he looks at you and says, I hit, you run. And where do we run? First base. But there's some cultural things that happen. North American culture, in baseball, we, in the spiritual baseball game, we don't run to first base. No, we run to works. We run to works. And we run to works, and then we, we think because we're working for God, that makes us spiritual. So that must sanctify us. And because I'm working and sanctified, therefore I must be saved. Let me ask you a question. If you run to third base before running to first or second, are you in or out? Out. There goes North American culture. Then you have the Asian culture. They're very spiritual. They love spiritual things. You get them in the word of God, you truly get them saved. They understand the spirit. They really do. But here's what they do. Instead of running to salvation, they run straight to second base. They become spiritual. And because they're spiritual, they begin to work for God. And because they're spiritual working for God, they think they're... Let me ask you a question. They're a lot closer than North America. But if you run to second instead of first, are you in or out? You're still out. So what do we got to do? We got to run to first, amen. We got to run to salvation. Here's what Baptists do. You ready? We are great at teaching salvation. You have to be saved. You got to come to God by Jesus Christ and him alone. Only he can save you. Your works can't save you. Your spiritual life can't save you. You got to come to Christ. Hallelujah. We get people saved. You ready? And then we do what? We run them to third base. Now let me ask you a question. I'm glad you're running over Satan on the pitching mound. That's a wonderful thing. But let me ask you a question. If you go to first and you just skip second and go to third, 
are you in or are you out? You haven't lost your salvation. Still part of the baseball team, if you will. But you haven't gone home. Don't skip second. Second is this, God's work in us. Without sanctification, there is no service. If you do not allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in you and to teach you and to grow you, you cannot move on. But as you allow him and he begins to teach you and he begins to work in you and mold you, he'll begin to train you how to serve. And your life, until you get to home base, will be going back and forth between second and third. He'll teach you and allow you to serve. He'll teach you and allow you to serve. He'll teach you and allow you to serve. Amen. What is that? God working in us. On top of it, we are not running in our own strength. The more we are sanctified, the more we rely on the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, we're not running in our strength. We're running in His. Amen. I don't have to do it. Why? Is what God's working in us, amen. If we do this life in the spirit of the flesh, you won't make it. It'll be too hard. It won't work, amen. We've made it through three. We're on the last one, how do you like that? We have God working for us. We have God working in, through us. No, I missed the point. I just read my next one. Hold on. It's in these notes somewhere. What was the last point I just did? God's work for us. Amen. Lastly, night in verse 10 again. For we are... Wait a minute. Yeah, God's work in us. Now we're doing God's work through us. There you go. Is that what you got, Brother Tyler? Amen. I just wanted to make sure I was doing right by the pastor. These are his notes. I'm just preaching it. <laughs> Verse 10 again. For we are his workmanship, the work in us, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Third base. Service. Saint Salvation. God's work for us. Sanctification. God's work in us. Service, God's work through us. Through us. Verse 10. Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How many of you were part of the John 3.16 outreach and you were there, I think it was um, Friday morning. Friday morning. Amen. The evangelist brought out a point that God had planted us. No, that was Saturday. God has planted us where he wants us. Amen. Wonderful teaching. Amen. In other words, we know where we're supposed to be because God put us there. Amen. But not only has God put us there, but in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he has ordained the works for which he has placed us in the place we're supposed to be. 
So what this is saying is not only are we supposed to know where we're going to be, but now God's going to give us the instructions to do the work for the place where we are. Isn't that exciting? How many of you like work, waking up, going to work, not knowing what you're going to do? That's always a good day, isn't it? Amen. I hate going to bed and not knowing my work schedule for the next day because I'm the boss. I can't wake myself up and say, now, why didn't you plan that better? Amen. It just doesn't work. I can give myself trouble, but it doesn't go very well because I don't fire myself. Amen. How many of you would fire yourself? You can smile. It's okay. That's funny. Amen. There you go. Having fun in Jesus. God's work through us. Listen, God doesn't save us just to make us horse workhorses. No, he takes us, he trains us, and then he, he empowers us to do the work. But when he empowers us, there's with that training. But once we receive that training, now he begins to work. One writer wrote, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. I think there was a biblical author that wrote something like that. I think he said that faith without works is dead. Amen? Faith without works is dead. Listen, we are to allow God to work through us. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have to realize that, yes, I was dead and disobedient and, and, and I was under the condemnation of God, but God saved me and, and God began to work in me and then, and then God did something for me and now he wants to work through me and hallelujah, I can do something for God because God wants to do it. Amen. Can you still hear me? You might get in trouble again. <laughs> just in case Jesus saves hallelujah <laughs> I remember I was at I was in Israel at the tomb where they believed Jesus Christ was laid and I walked in that tomb and the first time it was so exciting and the second time I went back uh, to Israel we went back to the tomb and we were there and there's this time there was a line and everybody was you know, quickly going in, coming out, quick going, and it was quiet. And I mean, we're at the tomb where Jesus is not. Amen. This should not be a quiet place. This should be a place for a Pentecostal fit. Amen. Whatever denomination you are, Jesus is alive. Amen. I'm not saying I'm not Baptist. Hallelujah. I'm just saying we got to get excited. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. I thought for sure Brother Mackay was going to run an aisle right there, but, you know. <laughs> Got a smile on your face, though. <laughs> Jesus is alive. We went in my, my daughter and I went into the tomb, and, and we, I was showing her how, how John would have, looked in and where Jesus Christ would have been in order for him to see the clothes and going over all this stuff. And we're having a good time in the tomb and we come out, everybody's dead quiet. And I just, I stand there at the doorway of the tomb and I cry out, he is risen. And the whole place erupted. <laughs> Woo! 
That's all they needed was somebody to come along. Amen. Who says Canadians are quiet? We serve a living God. Oh, and folks, he works through you. He works through you. But you have to be saved first. This chapter brings us from where we were to where you are. You are seated in heavenly places. But while you're doing that, somehow, just like God, you're here doing a work. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Isn't that amazing? Did you know you were in two places at once? I didn't know either till I read the Bible. I don't understand it. I'm sure I'm singing. I'm sure I'm praising. I'm sure I'm thanking God. I'm sure I'm bowing at his feet because the book of Revelation teaches me that all of a sudden then them elders stand up and, and the cherubs, they fly around crying, holy, holy, holy. And as soon as they do that, heaven all erupts, amen. And then there's going to be singing and, and one day we're going to stand in his presence and we're going to know we're in his presence, amen. And we're going to sing a new song. Amen. I love, this morning you were learning those new songs. I was going to have him sing that right after my, they, they, I love them. Your guys' music is amazing. I love it. Everybody likes our church. I think if we combine our church and your church, we just... We'd let it rip, amen. What a God we serve. You can't earn your way to heaven. There's no need even trying. And dead cannot live. But when Jesus Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ and are quickened and made alive, now you can walk in the cool of the day with him. Now you can sanctify you. And now because he's teaching you godliness, you can work with him and he with you. And all of a sudden the work that you're doing becomes greater and greater and greater because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. All of a sudden the work isn't what we can do, Brother Tyler. It's what can God do. It's not based on my wisdom. It's based on his wisdom. Can you write that down? Because these are some things I'm going through right now. You know, as we go through Christian life, we, we go through a time where we're trying to figure out, I don't know how to do the next step. I don't, I don't know what to do next. I don't understand. I haven't been taught this yet. Amen. And the Holy Spirit has to teach us. My wife and I joke about it all the time. The biggest church we were ever in growing up was 20 people. The biggest. 20 people. We have 80 people we're working with. And we're like, I, I don't know how to go to the next step. I don't know what to do next. Where do we go? How do we go? I don't have the answers. But God can work through us. Amen. And we've just determined that we're going to seek his will and we're going to find it out and until he tells us exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We're just going to keep doing what we're supposed to do, what we know to do. And as he teaches us, therefore, we will go forward. Amen. But it's got to be in him. It's got to be in him. Where did I come from? I was a dead, disobedient, disassociated Drummed up rap. Is that good? 
and God saved me. Amen. And God made me alive. And God began to work in me because he worked for me. And because now he's working in me, now he can work through me. Amen. Four works in Ephesians chapter 2. None of them are you. The work of sin, the work of God. That's it. But you know who he chooses to work through now? You. You. What does the Bible say? That it's the good works that leads men to repentance. Right? Faith without works is dead. And it pleased God by foolishness of preaching to, to save them which are lost. We're, we know preaching is a good work. But as you go day to day and you show the goodness of God is that good work, that goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It shows them their deadness, their depravity, their disassociation with God. And you, through the good works that God is doing through you, not for salvation, but because of, can lead people to repentance. But don't be a good Baptist. Don't go to salvation and just service. God's not looking for that. He's looking for salvation, sanctification, and then service. In other words, let him fill you. Let him fill you. Amen? I don't think this church is about salvation and service. I think you're about growing. Amen. So don't take it that way. But let us train others right. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have taught, right? What do we do? We win them and we teach them. Salvation, <laughs> sanctification, and then God puts them to work. God puts them to work. I have found as a pastor, if I put someone to work, Brother Tyler, they're only going to work for so long. But when God calls them, I never have to worry about them quitting until God moves them. And God will always tell me, He's never left me blindsided. I'll know a long time before. But when God calls them, I never have to worry about it. I can just help train them. They won't leave because they're not there for me. They're there for God. Are you here for God? Amen. Are you here for God? Father, we come. We thank you for our place in you. What a wonderful thing that we can be saved. What a wonderful thing that Though sin worked against us, Lord, you worked for us. And Lord, when we accept your salvation, you work in us and now through us. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can be a church that loves you, that seeks your presence. And Lord, through you, working through us, we can see others be saved. Lord, we thank you for tonight and the wonderful fellowship we can have, the beautiful weather, the wonderful time in the park. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who submit ourselves to you to simply allow you to work in 
and through us. Lord, sanctify us. Set us apart for the master's use. Lord, allow us to be vessels unto honor for you. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can be in your presence, that we are your children seated in heavenly places. And Lord, I pray you would help us on this earth to do that work which you have called us to, that you've placed us and enabled us to do. May you be glorified tonight as only you can be now in your precious and holy name. Brother Tyler, you come.